Because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. I'm yeah, doing, uh, agree. I'm directing the Attorney General to shut down all ballot places in all 50 states. It's going to be no. He's not going out easy. Trump is going to do some crazy shit. Oh, good to know, Steve Bannon. And before the election, too. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. So it was the plan all along. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Got it. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans, on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WMHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast. And around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites, or most of them, blanketing planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today all right we may be uh, sort of all over the place today i've, I've got a bunch of uh, different items that i would like to try to get to some of which came in last week while we were off uh, some from this week as we've been otherwise waylaid by our special coverage of the house january 6 committee hearings so for today desi doyan yes it's just you and me. Okay. And a number of random news items and thoughts of note, plus your latest Green News report Yay. once again, which was pushed back a day thanks to the uh, thanks to the House hearings and those bastards. So it's a grab bag. It's a grab bag. Let's start with some uh, listener mail, however, following up on our Monday show in which I... Once again, tried to explain the importance of voting in the 2022 election, specifically given uh, what the corrupt extremist activist Supreme Court is about to do next term regarding the so-called independent state legislature theory or doctrine, as they would like to call it, uh, which, among other things, will allow state legislatures in 2024 to decide on their own damn the will of the voters or the laws of the state or the state's constitution or the state's Supreme Court or anything else. It will allow the state legislatures uh, on their own to decide uh, who will, quote, unquote, win the state's presidential electors in 2024 and beyond. Now, I argued on Monday that it is important to elect Democrats to majorities in both the House and Senate this fall. I should add also to state legislatures where possible. It's very difficult in all those cases because of, well, gerrymandering. 
But uh, the argument that it was important to elect Democrats to majorities is not because I give a damn about the Democratic Party. In truth, I'm not trying to protect Democrats. My concern is quite literally now about protecting democracy and indeed saving democracy at this point, or at least uh, saving America's imperfect, to say the least, version of democracy uh, in a way that we can try to improve it and correct it. Etc. Something that will not be possible if the now fully autocratic Republican Party takes over congressional and state majorities this fall. I also argued that given all of this, the notion that both parties are the same, they're both all oh, they're both equally corrupt is not only lazy, but dangerously and uh, knee jerkingly wrong. So to that end, uh, I had a whole hour-long rant on that on Monday with callers and everything else. But to that end, uh, listener Scott writes in to me at bradcast at bradblog.com to say, Hi, Brad. Uh, subject, subject, saving, quote, it's in quotes, saving <laughs> democracy in the USA. Hi, Brad. I have a difficult, a difficult time understanding your repeated calls regarding quote, saving democracy in the USA. As far as I'm concerned, we lost democracy in 2010 with the Citizens United decision. What we have in the USA since then is not democracy, but legalized corruption. Both of the two major parties are bought off by wealthy interests, and no third party has a snowball's chance in hell of winning any contested office at the federal level due to the ever-increasing funding requirements for such campaigns to be mounted successfully. Uh, he continues, you probably get lots more listeners by claiming to be, quote, fighting to save democracy. But even if the present system of legalized corruption continues, the chances of non-corporate funded candidates to be elected to national level offices are roughly equivalent to nil. If you'd like to go on calling this, quote, democracy, you should at least be aware of what you are doing. At best, you are clearing the way for the legitimation of the continuing corporate monopolization of power. Peace from Scott. Well, thank you, Scott. Peace back. Uh, thanks for the note and for the thoughts. As to what gets me more listeners, well, I have no real comment there. I've never particularly thought in those terms, other than I know that there's a lot of stuff that I could cover that would get me much more listeners. But what I cover here is not based on what brings me listeners, rather what I believe listeners need to know. Uh, but to, to the general point here, I hear you. Frankly, you're not you're simply just not paying very close attention if you think that, quote, both parties are fully, quote, bought off. For one, I think uh, folks like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Bernie Sanders, among many others who caucus with the Democrats and who take no corporate funding. I think they, uh, for a start, would strongly disagree with you, Scott. Yes, both parties do raise corporate dollars. And yes, Citizens United was an abomination that needs to be overturned. In fact, one of the two major parties has actually been working for years to try and do exactly that. So, you know, just talk to Democratic Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, for example, about it, or watch any of his scores of impassioned speeches that he's issued in both the House and Senate about it. 
Moreover, I should note that the Freedom to Vote Act, which was supported by all 50 Democratic senators and killed by all 50 Republican senators just a few short months ago, along with an assist from just two corporate Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, who joined all 50 Republicans in refusing to reform the undemocratic Senate filibuster to pass that critical voting rights and elections legislation, that that bill, Freedom to Vote Act, would have gone a long way towards undermining the Citizens United corrupt Citizens United decision and the uh, Citizens United corruption that is in our electoral system. Meanwhile, as Democrats have been trying to push back against Citizens United, the other major party, on the other hand, has been trying to make overturning Citizens United impossible by uh, shoring up the uh, Supreme Court's declaration that money is somehow speech and corruptly packing the U.S. Supreme Court with corrupt extremists in order to make sure it stays that way. Democrats have opposed that plan, that claim, Scott, uh, from their appointees on the Supreme Court to members of, of both the House and Senate for years now. But if you want to assure that there is no chance at fixing and improving and saving our admittedly flawed and, yes, arguably getting worse representative democracy. And if you want to see it replaced by a full-on, and I mean full-on autocracy, then, yeah, cozying up to the lazy both parties are equally bad and corrupt idea, well, that's just the ticket, Scott. And as it turns out, I, at least... Uh, I don't speak for anyone else, but I don't wish to live under a full-blown autocracy. I'm against it, too. That's two. That's two <laughs> right there. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to keep fighting to save what is left of our democracy in hopes of having even the possibility of improving it. Even if you feel you need to duck out of this fight, Scott, we'll be here fighting for you. I would be sorry to hear that, however, and I hope you will rethink your your and review your position on this. But, uh, hey, if you don't, the autocrats who brung you this nightmare, they will thank you uh, if you don't review that position. So uh, just some thoughts. I welcome uh, thoughts from others, of course, as always on this. My email address is bradcast at bradblog.com if you want to ring in. Hey, keep it short and sweet the way Scott did, and I may be able to share it on air as well if time allows. And by the way, uh, what are the related stakes at this point to all of this? Well, this story out of Texas sort of helps illustrate that a little bit to give you an idea of where we are where we are now directly headed, a group of Texas State House lawmakers called the Texas Freedom Caucus sent a letter to a law firm, a law firm in Dallas, a private law firm in Dallas last week threatening, quote, consequences over the firm's decision to reimburse their own employees for the costs of out of state travel to obtain an abortion. And yes, this is a direct threat from actual elected state lawmakers in Texas to a law firm threatening them with, quote, consequences if they should help to reimburse their own employees when and if those employees exercise the freedom to leave the state to get an abortion 
in a state other than Texas, in a state where freedoms actually still exist and where big government totalitarianism does not come between a woman and her doctor. So this is not a a so-called right-to-life anti-abortion activist group making these threats. This is elected state officials. The lawmaker's letter sent and posted on its website last week accused the firm Sidley Austin LLP of being, quote, complicit in illegal abortions. So I guess if you go have an abortion elsewhere in a state where it's not illegal, it's considered to be illegal in the state of Texas. Uh, Quote, it has come to our attention that Sidley Austin has decided to reimburse the travel costs of of employees who leave Texas to murder their unborn children. This was uh, written by Republican State uh, Congressman Mays Middleton, the chair of the Texas Freedom Caucus, in an email to Sidley Austin, which is based in Chicago, by the way, but has an office in Dallas. Maybe time to review that idea. Sidley Austin, the uh, the state lawmaker goes on to say, we are writing to inform you of the consequences that you and your colleagues will face for these actions. Can you believe this? It's it's pretty shocking. Texas State Rep Middleton on uh, on behalf of his caucus claimed that the law firm was, quote, exposing itself and each of its partners to felony criminal prosecution and disbarment. Citing Texas's anti-abortion law from 1925 that the state can now enforce after the Supreme Court struck down Roe last month. Quote, we will also be introducing legislation next session that will impose additional civil and criminal sanctions on law firms that pay for abortions or abortion travel, Middleton warned. The new legislation, according to the letter, will criminalize any Texas company's reimbursement of, quote, elective abortions or, quote, abortion-related expenses regardless of where the abortion occurs and regardless of the law in the jurisdiction where it occurs, unquote. It will also require the State Bar of Texas to disbar any lawyer who violates the state's ban on abortion, Middleton warned. So both parties are really the same? Really? The email included a CC to uh, Texas Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton, who has been indicted himself for several securities fraud felonies and yet still serves as the state's top law enforcement official. Irony. And uh, who has sworn, by the way, to enforce the state's abortion restrictions in the wake of the Supreme Court striking down Roe v. Wade. The Texas Freedom Caucus's threat marks their next frontier, marks the next frontier in the GOP's war on reproductive rights and, yes, personal freedoms. So it's so delightful that the Texas Freedom Caucus is against personal freedoms. (laughs) Well, again, irony. So, yeah, that next frontier is now a policing across state lines and barring people from accessing abortion in other states especially as companies uh, like the law firm Sidley Austin and others establish reimbursement policies for out-of-state abortion access. So, yes, this is where all of this is going, and it is going there quite quickly. Unless Democrats can come together around an electoral strategy for this November, 
uh, which, as Josh Marshall has been pushing over at Talking Points Memo, a strategy he calls Roe and Reform, give us two, essentially give us two more senators and a majority in the House this November, and we will pass a federal law to make reproductive services legal in all 50 states in January and prevent totalitarian autonomy autocratic, tyrannical threats of felony charges against people and companies and attorneys. Unless Democrats can get on that same page to do that, to promise, make that promise to voters between now and November, which, by the way, would then allow them to also, uh, in addition to uh, reforming the filibuster, which would be needed in order to do any of this, but in reforming the filibuster, then they would also be able to look at reforming and expanding our corrupt, extremist, activist U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, this is what would what needs to be done in all 50 states. Democrats need to be able to uh, come together to make this pitch to their voters, because all of this is coming uh, much sooner uh, this autocracy uh, is coming much sooner and in much worse scenarios than you are currently imagining. Yes, including you, Scott. Uh, So please pay attention. This is not a drill. Both parties are not the same unless you really, really want to help justify the laziest and most dangerous thinking in the world right now that both parties are the same. Maybe some more uh, democracy-related issues in a little bit here today. I told you we'd be jumping around. Uh, But in truth, actually, this story is democracy and autocracy-related as well. Though in this case, it's, it's kind of hilarious. A federal judge on Monday declined to delay the upcoming trial of Steve Bannon, the disgraced one-time advisor to former President Donald Trump. Bannon is facing contempt of Congress charges after refusing for months to cooperate with the House committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. Following a rather remarkable court hearing on Monday, Bannon is now still scheduled to go on trial next week for those uh, contempt of Congress charges, despite telling the House committee late on Saturday that he's now all of a sudden prepared to testify to them. Nice try, Steve. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's unclear whether Bannon will again decline to appear before the committee uh, now that the trial is set to begin next week. The federal judge called an offer by uh, Bannon to testify before the House committee, quote, a last ditch attempt to avoid accountability on the charges of criminal contempt. But here's where it gets kind of fun. Bannon was also barred from asserting several potential defenses or calling House Speaker Nancy Pelosi or members of the House committee to the stand. The series of rulings by this U.S. District Judge, who is a Donald Trump-appointed U.S. District Judge, Judge Carl Nichols uh, left one of Bannon's attorneys complaining that the one-time White House official would not be able to defend himself at all. Poor dear. Judge Nichols also barred Bannon's attorneys from arguing that the January 6th committee violated House rules and demanding his uh, Bannon's appearance or that Bannon defied the subpoena on the advice of his defense counsel or at Trump's orders. 
And Judge Nichols declined to delay the trial from its current start date on July 18, saying that any concerns about pre-trial publicity due to the House committee hearings could be addressed during the jury selection. If it proves impossible to pick an unbiased jury, the judge said he would reconsider granting a delay. Well, I don't know why that would be difficult. Fox News and Donald Trump and the MAGA mob have all been telling us repeatedly for weeks now that nobody is even watching those hearings. <laughs> nobody even knows they're going on. Nobody cares about them. The ratings are abysmal, they, they've told us. Nobody's paying attention. So why would it be a problem to find jurors who are not influenced by those hearings? Here's the most hilarious part, however. The rulings led one of Bannon's attorneys here, a guy by the name of David Schoen, to speak out in frustration in the court as he sought clarification from the judge. He said, quote, what's the point of going to trial here if there are no defenses? He asked the judge. Judge Nichols responded simply, agreed. Ouch. Uh, what is the point of going to trial if there are no defenses, Mr. Bannon? That does not sound good for him. Uh, maybe he should have thought of that before he decided he could simply ignore a lawful subpoena from Congress. Uh, you'll recall he was indicted in November on two counts of criminal contempt. One month after the DOJ received a congressional referral, each of the two counts carries a minimum of 30 days, a minimum of 30 days of jail and as long as one year behind bars. Speaking to reporters after his arrest last year, Bannon said he was, quote, taking on the Biden regime. And he said, quote, this is going to be a misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Or maybe not, Stevie. So far, not so much. Not looking good. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Bannon uh, con contacted the uh, the committee over this past weekend after Trump had sent him a letter saying he would waive any claim of executive privilege. Which to apparently he has not actually ever. He asserted. never actually. So he's did. not. He's yes. waiving something he never asserted. Good apparently, job, guys. yeah. Well, that's according anyway to Donald Trump's own attorneys. I think it was mentioned in Tuesday's hearings. Uh, Trump's own attorney apparently told the House committee that. Trump never actually even declared executive privilege to prevent Bannon from testifying, which, by the way, a former president has no such privilege to begin with. So even if he had declared it, it's questionable whether it would have had any effect. But, of course, he didn't uh, 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 apply it. So anyway, uh, federal prosecutors uh, argued on Monday that Bannon's new offer to appear before the committee would not change any criminal offense committed by uh, not appearing earlier when the law said he had to. The AP article, by the way, goes on to quote uh, a frequent broadcast guest, our friend Randall Eliason, who's a former uh, prosecutor. He teaches now teaches law at George Washington University. Uh, he said he agreed with the view of federal prosecutors here. He said, quote, this is a criminal contempt. You can't erase the charge by deciding to show up later. So uh, there you go. Uh, best of luck, Steve. I'm sure it'll work out next week. And you will, what did he say, take on the Biden regime, uh, make it a misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. We still have some more uh, Steve Bannon news today, however. 
uh, as breaking uh, uh, after yesterday's House Select Committee hearing on Donald Trump's many failed attempts to steal the 2020 election by pretending that there was massive fraud. This from Mother Jones's Dan Friedman last night. No relation, but we are still very proud of him nonetheless. On the evening of October 31, 2020, so that would be three days before the November 3rd, 2020 election, Steve Bannon told a group of associates that President Donald Trump had a plan, and you'll be shocked to hear this, had a plan to declare victory on election night, even if he was losing. Well, what do you know about that? And Bannon was kind enough to make these remarks on tape. Trump's plan to falsely declare victory while tens of millions of votes were still being counted was public knowledge even before the election. Axios had reported on the scheme at the time. Bannon himself discussed the idea on November 3. We reported it at the same time that this was going to be their strategy going into the election. Bannon interviewed a, a former Trump administration official who outlined how Trump would use allegations of fraud to dispute the electoral defeat and would seek to have Congress declare him the winner. Last month, the Congressional Committee investigating January 6 detailed how Rudy Giuliani convinced Trump to go ahead with a victory declaration after 2 a.m. on, well, November 4, so the night of the election. Uh, And he did this over the objections of campaign staff. But Trump went out before the cameras. You'll recall he turned in the White House, which he had turned into his campaign headquarters. He said, frankly, we did win this election. But in a nearly hour long audio that it was obtained by Mother Jones, there is now new evidence that Trump's late night diatribe, which came a few hours later than Bannon anticipated, according to this tape, followed what was a pre-existing plan to lie to Americans about the election results, that they were fraudulent in hopes of holding power. The new recording stands out for the striking candor and detail with which Bannon described a scheme to use lies in order to subvert democracy again before Election Day of 2020. And frankly, I will be surprised if this does not come up in one of the House hearings at some point. Bannon uh, also predicted that Trump's false declaration of victory would lead to widespread political violence, along with, quote, crazy efforts by Trump to stay in office. And they all laughed about those scenarios at various points in the recording, as you'll hear. The uh, pre-election audio comes from a meeting between Bannon and half a dozen supporters of an exiled Chinese mogul billionaire for whom Bannon has worked. Bannon helped this guy launch a series of pro-Trump Chinese language news websites that promote an array of far-right disinformation. Uh, speaking to this group of mostly Chinese immigrants, Bannon explained U.S. electoral processes and Trump's plans to exploit them. He emphasized that in 2020, Republicans were more likely to vote in person, casting ballots that in many states would be counted first, while Democrats disproportionately voted by mail in 2020. Their ballots would then, therefore, take days to tally in a number of states. That means that when it came to public perceptions about who was winning, Democrats would have, quote, a natural disadvantage, he told uh, these people, quote, and Trump's going to take advantage of it, noting, quote, that's our strategy. 
he's going to declare himself the winner. Here's a highlight or two from that audio obtained by Mother Jones. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs vote in mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. We're going to have Antifa crazy, the media crazy, the courts are crazy, and Trump's going to be sitting there mocking, tweeting shit out, you lose. <laughs> I'm the winner. I'm the king. Because then it doesn't matter. Remember, here's the thing. After then, Trump never has to go to a voter again. He's going to fire Ray, the FBI director, and fire the scene. He's going to say, F you. How about that? Because he's never going to, he's, he's done his last election. Oh, he's going to be off the chain. He's going to be crazy. Also, also if, Trump is, if Trump is losing by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, it's going to be even crazier. Be, no, because no, he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. I'm yeah, going to court, uh, agree. I'm directing the attorney general mm -hmm. to shut down all ballot places in all 50 states. It's going to be no. <laughs> he's not going out easy. If, Trump, if Biden's winning, Trump is going to do some crazy shit. Yeah, well, on election night, actually, Biden was not winning. Uh, Trump did some crazy bleep anyway. Yeah. And he went on to, yes, uh, pretend that the election was stolen. But they knew all of this in advance. They knew they were going to do this in advance and that he was going to try to steal the election that he had actually lost. There's really no mystery here about any of this. It is simply amazing. And it's simply amazing to see, you know, uh, you know, Democrats and the media twisting themselves into, well, he was trying to reverse the results. He was trying to undermine the results. He knew in advance he was planning to steal the election if he lost it. And that's exactly what he tried to do. There you go. Elsewhere in this uh, in this uh, audio, Bannon emphasizes that election night would mark the start of a battle for power in which Trump would try to stop the votes of people who opposed him from uh, to stop the votes of people who opposed him from being counted. Yeah, he tried to do that as well. Uh, he said uh, Election Day would be unlike any other. Quote, this is a revolution, he explained. This election just triggers more fighting. And then, of course, they all laughed. This was hilarious to them. So there you go. That was the plan all along. Pretend there was fraud. Pretend the election was stolen. That's our strategy, you hear Bannon uh, say, days before the election when, when, you know, Trump then did pretty much every single thing that Bannon told these folks he was going to do, and they thought it was hilarious. He tells a bunch of supporters of his exiled Chinese billionaire, billionaire pal, Funder, Funder, what he has refused to come in and discuss with the U.S. House Select Committee investigating all of these claims and the deadly insurrection that resulted from them on January 6, 2021. If Bannon gets the maximum in jail for contempt of Congress, that would be two years in this case, one year for each of the, uh, uh, the charges brought against him, uh, which would probably be very unlikely. Even if he got those two years, frankly, it is nowhere near the punishment that he deserves for the death and the destruction, including destruction of our democracy that this jerk has helped cause. And even laughed about, uh, you know, with his pals just days before the scheme to try and overthrow American democracy itself, which is hilarious. 
by a sitting president of the United States himself. All of that, of course, would come to pass. It is both incredible at this point and, frankly, not incredible at all, all at the same time. And for those who want to tell me that both parties are the same, both parties, they're equally corrupt. Really? Really? Is this what you imagine a Democratic president would ever even contemplate? Really? Wake up, folks. Wake up, lefties who buy into that nonsense. You are being played by those who would have you believe that, just as assuredly as Donald Trump and his buddies are playing their supporters. All right, more from today's uh, Brad's grab bag of outrages and insanities uh, and even and even dumb attempts by Donald Trump to try to steal elections. That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around like no other media outlet in the nation. But, of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com trying to hold the line. So, uh, yeah, we're running through our grab bag of things. Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice last week became the latest to object to a new Arizona law that requires proof of citizenship for people who are registered to vote only in presidential elections in the state. So we're going through that again. Yes, we are. Right. In a uh, complaint filed by the filed in U.S. District Court, the uh, Justice Department said House Bill 2492 in Arizona, quote, turns back the clock on voting rights by imposing what it calls unnecessary requirements to produce documents, papers, please, proving your citizenship. Currently, voters who register using a uniform application authorized by the National Voting Voter Registration Act can attest to their citizenship under penalty of perjury. They just say, yes, I am a citizen, and if it is found out that they are not, well, they're facing jail time. The new law, however, passed by the GOP-dominated Arizona State Legislature and signed by the Republican governor, Doug Ducey, earlier this year, requires specific documents in order to prove one's citizenship when using this uh, national form in violation, by the way, of the National Voter Registration Act or the NVRA. Voters who don't produce citizenship documents under Arizona's new law could not vote in the next presidential election and will not receive a mail-in ballot, once again in violation of federal law. The law is a, quote, textbook violation of the NVRA, says uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney General uh, Kristen Clark in a news release. So do you suppose a Republican Department of Justice would do that, would challenge that sort of a law. Just asking for those who suggest there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to small-D democratic rights and freedoms. 
The uh, DOJ's complaint comes uh, as two other lawsuits are also awaiting action in federal court against the same law. These were uh, launched the day after Ducey signed the legislation. Mi Familia Vota and a coalition of progressive nonprofit groups filed uh, separate lawsuits in the uh, district court. Most Arizona voters use the state registration form when registering to vote. That actually now requires proof of citizenship. That was also a long legal battle, but one that was eventually, um, well, lost or won, depending on how you look look at it, thanks to the GOP-packed federal courts who allowed that law to happen. But critics of the new legislation, according to the Arizona Republic, say that targeting the federal registration form could disqualify minority voters, particularly Native Americans, people of color, who often lack the types of documents that the new law requires, making it even more difficult for those minority voters to elect people who actually represent them. Among the uh, among other things, the bill requires proof of where someone was born, even though disclosing that location has absolutely nothing to do with voting in Arizona. The nonprofit Living uh, United for Change has stated that in its March complaint. In its complaint, the DOJ said the law violates the NVRA, which established a national voter registration form that requires people to attest that they are U.S. citizens. That process was, in fact, upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court back in 2013 which Desi was referring to when she said, we're doing this again. Yeah, we're doing this again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Back in 2013, before the uh, high court became entirely corrupted since then, the law also violates the Civil Rights Act, according to the DOJ, because it requires election administrators to reject registration forms based on errors and omissions that have nothing to do with establishing a voter's ability to cast a ballot. And again, if you think a Republican Department of Justice would challenge that attempted voter suppression before the next presidential election in a state that finally and barely, barely flipped from red to blue in 2020, well, then I don't know what planet you may be living on, but it ain't planet reality. Speaking of GOP electoral corruption in swing states and corrupt courts, Wisconsin's Republican-controlled Supreme Court ruled last Friday that absentee ballot drop boxes, well, are illegal. Essentially, that's what they decided. Uh, they, They determined that they may be placed only inside election offices and that no one other than the voter can return a ballot in person. The ruling by the far-right court is a defeat to Democrats and voting rights advocates who said uh, the decision would make it harder to vote in the battleground state. So, yeah, as of now, ballot drop boxes are illegal in Wisconsin after Trump spent a couple of years pretending with zero evidence that somehow these drop boxes are used for casting fraudulent ballots, none of which were found to have been cast in any of these drop boxes during the 2020 election. Uh, The court, however, did not address whether anyone other than the voter can return his or her own ballot by mail, which means that anyone can still collect multiple ballots for voters in Wisconsin, and instead of using a drop box, they could put them in the mail. 
Republicans have argued that uh, that practice, collecting ballots, they call it ballot harvesting, is rife with fraud, although there has been no evidence of that happening in Wisconsin. It did sort of happen in North Carolina by Republicans, leading to a U.S. House race having to be rerun entirely a few years ago. Uh, Democrats and uh, others who believe in democracy and voting rights argue that many voters, particularly the elderly, the disabled, have difficulty returning their ballots without that assistance from others. Supporters argue that drop boxes are a better option, a more secure option than uh, mailboxes, than mailing ballots, because with a drop box, it goes directly to the uh, county clerks. It can't be lost or delayed in transit which, of course, is why Republicans oppose drop boxes. It's harder to steal elections when drop boxes are used. And following that news about the drop boxes in Wisconsin uh, last week, Donald Trump, whose campaign filed an unsuccessful 2020 lawsuit to overturn Wisconsin's election results based on the use of drop boxes, Well, he was the first in line to declare that the GOP-dominated state court's decision means that he actually won the election in Wisconsin. Retroactively? That's what he says. (laughs) Really. He said, quote... Delusional. This is what he wrote on his his social media site. Uh, He wrote, quote, This means I won the very closely contested, not actually, in parentheses, Wisconsin presidential race because they use these corrupt and scandal-ridden scam boxes. Therefore, he won. Okay. He went on to write that Wisconsin State House uh, Speaker Robin Voss has a decision to make, he said. Does Wisconsin reclaim, in all caps, the electors... Yes, he's still trying to steal the 2020 election. Does Wisconsin reclaim the electors, turn over the election to the actual winner by a lot, or sit back and do nothing as our country continues to go to hell, in all caps? He uh, referenced a legally impossible resolution to overturn the election results from a year and a half ago that sounded just like the one that was pushed by Wisconsin State Rep Tim Ramthun who is a GOP candidate for governor in the state this year. In a video responding to the court ruling, Ramthan said he had, quote, a lot of joy in my heart. He said the decision regarding drop boxes, quote, begs the question, was it illegal in 2020? I say yes, and there's unfinished business there as well. Much more to come. Buckle up, Ramthan The GOP candidate for governor uh, vowed. Meanwhile, a post on John Solomon's right wing Just the News disinformation website similarly asserted, quote, Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling on drop boxes undercuts Democrats clean election claim. Which it does not, you jackass. The uh, article presented no evidence of the use of drop boxes leading to the counting of any fraudulent votes whatsoever, because there is no such evidence. Instead, uh, the article argued that the decision was, quote, evidence that a widely used mechanism for the 2020 election was illegal, undercutting Democratic claims that any irregularities in the contest were insufficient to sway outcomes. Oh, good God. Uh, But, you know, Republicans and Democrats, they're all the same. These ballots, (laughs) nobody has said, oh, these ballots were unlawful ballots. There's been no evidence that there was any fraud 
in those ballot if they had if drop boxes had been unlawful at the time those same people would have either delivered the ballots in person or they would have put them in a mailbox but yes uh republicans and democrats totally the same they're totally just they're both as corrupt uh, anyway uh bef- before we get to our uh, finally here before we get to our latest green news report Uh, For those of you who may think that both parties are the same when it comes to our climate crisis and, you know, the ability of mankind to survive on planet Earth. uh, You know, boy, in one respect, this story is is frankly mostly just sad. But but this this is who Republicans have chosen as their nominee for the United States Senate in Georgia this year. Uh, here is what the Georgia Republican Senate candidate. They've already had their uh, their their primary and they selected this guy, Georgia Republican Senate candidate and former football star, which is why the Republicans nominated him. Herschel Walker. Here's what he had to say about climate change during a recent campaign event. Some of this is difficult to make out, but I think you'll get the gist of it. Yeah, he got rid of the pipeline. Get rid of the pipeline, get rid of our energy, start this downfall, because we need energy for everything. Do y'all know that? And they were talking about the Green New Deal, you know, climate change. I'm going to help y'all with that real quickly, and I'm going to do it in the Wrightsville way, so you can understand what I'm saying. We, in America, have some of the cleanest air and cleanest water of anybody in the world. So what we do is we're going to put from the Green New Deal millions or billions of dollars cleaning our good air up. So all of a sudden China and India ain't putting nothing in their cleaning that situation up. So all that bad air is still there. But since we don't control the air, our good air decided to float over to China, bad air. So when China gets our good air, their bad air got to move. So it moves over to our good air space. And now we got to clean that back up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was Herschel Walker, the uh, Republican nominee for uh, U.S. Senate in Georgia. Uh, and, uh, you know, for, well, Des, before some thoughts on just how sad and pathetic it is that Republicans have put this guy up as their U.S. Senate candidate. Uh, he's obviously repeating exactly what he has been told by, you know, Fox News, what he's been groomed to say concerning China's bad air and that we have the cleanest air. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you, you have any thoughts before I get into how pathetic that is on, on what we will call Herschel Walker's science <laughs> there? Well, obviously, you know, he he's mangled even the, the BS that Fox News has told him and those people who are against action yeah. on climate change have told him. There is truth to China and India and their pollution uh, drifting across the ocean to the United States. <laughs> However, this, this claim that China is not taking action on climate change is just false. I mean, we'll talk about we'll this talk in, about the in the Green News Report. report. Yeah. Don't want to give that away, but it's just completely false. And I think what's most sad about this is that, you know, I do wonder if Walker's years of playing football have... Um, have damaged his brain, yeah. and I really hate to have to say this, but yeah. I think it is very sad, and it seems like he is potentially being exploited. Potentially. With with, with yeah. his permission, but 
being exploited by the Republican Party. Back in March, uh, a new report from IQ Air, a company that tracks global air quality, found that average annual air pollution in every country and 97% of cities exceeded the World Health Organization's air quality guidelines designed to help governments craft regulations to protect public health. Only 222 cities of 6,475 that were analyzed had average air quality that met the WHO standard. In the U.S., IQ Air found air pollution exceeded WH exceeded the guidelines by two to three times in 2021. In 2016, around 4.2 million premature deaths were associated with fine particulate matter, according to the uh, WHO. If the 2021 guidelines had been applied that year, they found that there could have been nearly 3.3 million fewer pollution-related deaths. Now, this is taking him talking about climate change uh, as a pollution problem as a clean air problem right but it should be noted that even on that he is wrong in the u.s air pollution spiked in 2021 out of more than 2400 u.s cities analyzed la remained the most polluted yay yay us uh despite seeing a six percent decrease in 2021 compared to 2020 atlanta and minneapolis saw significant increases in pollution the report showed China, which is among the countries with the worst air pollution, actually showed improved air quality in 2021. More than half of the Chinese cities analyzed in the report saw lower levels of pollution compared to the previous year. And the um, director of this study said there needs to be a major move towards renewable energy. We need to take drastic action in order to reverse the tide of global warming. Otherwise, the impact and the train that we were on, we are on will be irreversible. Yeah. And so, of course, air pollution is caused by fossil fuels, which Herschel Walker is against limiting. And for the record, uh, Walker just has this uh, disturbing record. He's lied about who he is. He's lied about being in law enforcement, about abuse that he's, uh, you know, threatened to kill himself, kill his wife. Uh, you know, the fact that they put this guy up to run for Senate is just uh, well, sad. Yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, by the way, at least voters seem to be noticing Qu Quinnipiac University poll released at the end of June showed Raphael Warnock, who is running for reelection in Georgia, the Democratic U.S. senator there, currently has a 54 to 44 lead over Herschel Walker. So, uh, you know, I hope Georgia voters uh, realize what a disaster this guy is, that they get out to vote this November. They should have they should have an easy victory this year. Republicans should have had one, but now Democrats should have one. The most regrettable part of all of this is that if Walker loses, it only helps Democrats to keep the majority that they currently have. But it's better than losing a seat. And everything, you know, given everything that's on the line this year and in 2024, it's all really important. Uh, speaking of all of this, let's take a break. We'll come back with Desi Doyen and our latest Green News report. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, and you're not. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
Okay, we may be a day late, and we're always a dollar short, (laughs) but let's get to it. Our latest green news report. It's some of the oldest trees that there are. There's trees that are 2,000 years old. Wildfires again threaten iconic giant sequoias. Offshore wind power is booming, and China is leading the way. Plus, the level of the Great Salt Lake has dropped to a new historic low. The Great Salt Lake is drying up. All of those historic lows and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. You could worry about nuclear warming, but you can't worry about the global warming. Are you still here? We'll have a little bit more beachfront property. That's not the worst thing in the world. No, that's not how it works at all. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm going to imagine for my own sanity and perhaps everyone else's, that Donald Trump isn't around and about lying about climate change again in his rallies. So what do you have that isn't a lie in our Green News Report? (laughs) Well, first, in California's Yosemite National Park, the new heat and wind-driven Washburn fire is threatening the park's largest grove of giant sequoias. Parts of the park have been closed. More than 1,600 people evacuated from the park and nearby communities at the height of tourist season. Officials say years of forest management actions and a sprinkler system deployed by fire crews have so far succeeded at holding the fire at bay in Mariposa Grove, home to more than 500 sequoias. Wildfires over just the last two years have killed nearly a fifth of the world's giant sequoias, which are found only in California. Across the U.S., wildfires are increasing in both frequency and intensity, a trend expected to accelerate with man-made climate change. Alaska is now on track for another historic wildfire year, having already seen its fastest start to the fire season on record, and it has already passed over 2 million acres burned. That's more than twice the amount in a typical Alaska fire season, and it is only mid-July. A remarkable number of fires up there. A remarkable amount of warmth up there where we've seen in some days in recent summers, Alaska getting warmer than it is down here in Southern California. Yes. In Utah, which is also battling two new wildfires, the Great Salt Lake has dropped to its lowest level since record keeping began in 1847. The lake is drying up due to water waste and the historic climate intensified mega drought in the western U.S. Well, I guess it's not so great after all. Joel Ferry, the new head of Utah's State Department of Natural Resources, said that the decline was expected. However, it's come a little bit sooner than we anticipated. It just shows the, the, like the broader issue with the drought, with the changing climate, with the consumption that we're ha- you know, seeing, and the demand for the water in the state of Utah is indicative of Great Salt Lake. Are you allowed to say changing climate in the state of Utah? He just did. Wow. With about half of the lake bed now exposed, blowing dust creates a public health crisis mm. because the Great Salt Lake's sediment is laden with toxins like mercury and arsenic from past mining operations. Wow. 
In Texas, repetitive extreme heat waves are expensive. The Texas Tribune reports that electricity rates have skyrocketed, with many customers paying at least 50 percent more than this time last year. That's because the cost of electricity in the state's infamously deregulated electricity market is tightly tied to the price of natural gas, which has doubled since Russia invaded Ukraine in late February, upending global markets for fossil fuels. Oh, well, free market. What are you going to do? In California, five San Francisco Bay Area cities have now voted to ban construction of new gas stations to combat climate change and prepare their cities for a future not dependent on fossil fuels. Nice. California has already pledged to stop selling gas-powered cars by 2035, and that has made a Republican state lawmaker in North Carolina very mad. (laughs) He introduced a bill to prohibit state and local governments from offering free electric vehicle charges charging stations unless they also provide free gas pumps as well. (laughs) And he wants the state to destroy any EV charging stations that do not comply at taxpayers' expense. God forbid people should have nice things. Finally, some really good news. Wind power is cheap and the offshore wind sector is booming. The UK just completed its largest ever offshore wind lease sale, resulting in projects that will generate electricity four times cheaper than natural gas. A different analysis finds that offshore wind installations surged 300 percent in 2021, 80% of that new offshore wind capacity was built in Chinese waters. China is expected to add more offshore wind capacity than all other countries every single year through at least 2035. Well, don't tell that North Carolina lawmaker. He'll be really upset about all that free wind. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm older now but still running I'm older now and still running against the clock. i got to get out. My thanks <laughs> yes. to our producer, Desi Doya, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. We are still looking for folks to jump in and subscribe for any amount you like. Bradblog.com slash donate. We would welcome your support or even a one-time donation. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you'll find me at thebradblog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. See the young man.